Good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater Vestal. I'm Brett, and uh, one of the pastors at Bridgewater. It's good to have you here today. I'm a little off today because I don't feel like I should be up here yet. We should have a, a couple more songs, and I just... So if I start singing, it means that I forgot the order of service, and uh, all of a sudden we have more songs. We have a special treat at the end because we have little kids coming to sing, and that's always fun. I'm just kind of excited to see what happens. <laughs> it's the train wreck that you know it's coming and you just can't stop watching, and it involves my children, and it'll be fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm caught between the, the three-year-olds either being cute or the fifth grader trying to be cool, and I don't know which it's going to be, so it's kind of fun in a weird sort of way. I shouldn't have admitted that. <laughs> I might be a bad parent. But welcome. You are among friends. Welcome. We are, uh, at Bridgewater, we are just a bunch of people who are broken, sinners, and God's working on us. And so regardless of where you're at in your spiritual journey, I'm sure you fit right in unless you're perfect, and then you don't. Because none of us are, and... We know how we got here, and we know that God has, amazing, has amazingly changed our lives. So, welcome. Just like those four flowers, those, uh, that flower was me years ago. Um, just a sinner, broken person that God is working on. And haven't arrived yet. Probably will not arrive until heaven, but just a work in progress. So, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, I hope that you feel that here because that's really who we are. Um, today we're talking about uh, this, this topic, Emmanuel, God with us. And it's a name of, of Jesus, um, literally means God with us. And so last week we started the series and today we're talking about it. And then we're going to continue it on Thursday night and Friday night of this week. I heard Curtis say, can you believe it's Christmas this week? I know it's crazy to think, but we have at Bridgewater, we have 25 different services at all of our campuses. We have two here, one on Thursday night at 6 o'clock, one on Friday night at 4.30. Um, please come. I heard Curtis say, invite somebody. Please invite somebody. Um, I'm inviting somebody's also all the time. I carry little cards around and I just keep inviting people because I don't know where they're at, and they might never, ever be invited to anything and feel like, oh, yay, somebody invited me to something. So why not? Um, so please invite people. But this whole phrase, God with us, that's what we're going to talk about even on Christmas Eve and, and the Thursday night service, this idea of Emmanuel, God with us. It, it's a phrase that, that we see in the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 1. That's where we're going to be today, Luke chapter 1, a little passage that Mary uh, sings. It's actually a song, so she, she says it as a song. I'm not going to sing it, but I will read it. Um, but in Luke chapter 1, there's this phrase, this word called blessed, and, and highly favored, blessed. And, and today, I don't think this word, this phrase, means the same thing it used to mean. Uh, I, I think today... We think of the word blessed, and it gets thrown around kind of like in, in these Christmas cards. You know, you see the, this phrase about being blessed, and on signs, we, we see blessings. Sometimes you're hanging, there's a, 
a sign hanging in your house that's a blessing. Um, <clears throat> sometimes when you sneeze, you get blessed. <laughs> Bless you. So is that the same blessing that Mary got? Uh, we, we bless our neighbors with our amazing Christmas lights and uh, the giant Olaf we put in our front lawn. I even hear some churchy people, some religious people, talking about being blessed in everything. And, 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 and even heard somebody say that they were blessed because they found a parking spot that was really close on Black Friday. The favor of the Lord was upon them because they found a parking spot that was close. That can't be what Mary was talking about. I can't imagine that when Mary says that she was blessed and highly favored, that she was equating that to a sneeze or to a parking spot. So what does it mean? Well, Luke chapter 1 gives us a little bit of insight. Uh, you know, the, the question I'd like to answer today would be, how do we walk in, a, in the blessing and favor of God? How would we know if, if we're there? Um, th- this phrase, blessed, highly favored, was first found in the Bible in Luke 1, when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary. And she shows up to Mary, and she says, you are blessed, you're highly favored. And then Mary goes and sees her cousin, Elizabeth, and Elizabeth uses the same Greek word three times, blessed, about Mary. So, what does she mean? Well, Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 46, it's entitled, Mary's Song, And here's what it says. And and Mary said, in verse 46, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has stretched, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has set the rich away empty. He has filled his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Okay. So, so that is Mary's song. I am blessed. I am highly favored. And then she lists a bunch of amazing things that she is feeling like God is doing for her. What intrigues me about this song, though, isn't necessarily the words she says as much as the context with which they were spoken. Mary's life is anything but blessed at this point when she says this. Like, she, you talk about star-crossed, oh my. Mary's life is a wreck by human perspective. Mar- Mary's life is awful. Let me go through a list of things that are true about Mary's life at this specific point. She is pregnant and not married. Joseph wants to separate from her. He's preparing to break off an engagement with her. That's her fiancé. People believe that she has cheated on Joseph. Everybody knows that the baby that she's carrying is not his. 
Okay, that's not good for that. A pregnant teenage girl out of wedlock in this culture, in that culture, was a serious scandal. It would have been presumed that she was a prostitute. The angel does not tell Joseph about this until months later. Okay, so let's put this in context. Mary knows that this baby that's inside of her is from God. Her fiancé does not know. And it's several months between when the angel comes to Mary and when the angel comes to Joseph. Sometimes we read one of the Gospels and we get the picture that it was immediate. It's not. If you read all the Gospels together, you see there's time in between where Mary actually goes away for several months to Elizabeth's house. And then Joseph is told. So you've got this weird time frame here where where Joseph is talking about, about breaking up with her and letting her go because she cheated. And her being the only one, she's the only one who knows this information. That is awful. And she says she's blessed. And then uh, finally, uh, she has a stained reputation that stays with her. And in the eyes of many for the rest of her life, historians tell us that even at the cross, there were those who were pointing an accusatory finger at Mary, saying, yeah, but we know what she did. In that context... Mary says these words, I'm blessed, I'm highly favored. Well, that's weird. If you and I lived in that context, we wouldn't be saying those things, right? (laughs) I would be saying, what's going on, God? What are you doing? Why are you wrecking my life? You just sneak up and give me this news. I'm 17 years old. What am I going to do with this news? This angel shows up in my bedroom and says, oh, by the way, you're going to be pregnant. It's going to be God. See you later. Oh, oh, wait, one more thing. Joseph doesn't know. Good luck with that. Now, I know many of us have junk in our lives and consequences from that junk, but usually I I'm to blame for that. Usually I've done something. I've made some decisions or something that have caused these circumstances to be bad. Mary didn't do anything. God caused the circumstances. Like if ever anybody could say it's God's fault, (laughs) Mary could have. And she doesn't. She says, I am blessed. I am highly favored. How how do you say that? I wrote down here, why does she feel like she has been blessed by God? Why wasn't she demanding God give her more information? Just give me more, like... Okay, wait, 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 before you leave, Gabriel, but I have ten more questions. Um, no, hey, Mary, you're going to have a baby. It's going to be Jesus, the Messiah. Um, yeah. Bye. Toodaloo. 
and yet she feels blessed. I think one of the reasons that we miss how she felt is because we have a twisted view of what it looks like to be blessed by God in our lives. You see, um, God's greatest blessings are not what he will do for me, but who he is in me. God's greatest blessings are not what he will do for me, but who he is in me. I usually make the determination about whether God is blessing me based on what he is doing for me. I look at my life and I determine whether God is blessing or not. I look at other people's lives and make the same determination. Oh, wow, that guy's really blessed. Because look, now he's driving a Maserati. Oh, wow, that family is really blessed. They got a chance to go to Great Wolf Lodge. I don't know. We, we, I think I, I kind of make the assumption that God's blessing is hitched to what he's doing in somebody's life, not who he is in somebody's life. And I think Mary did a very good job of connecting the dots and, and saying outside of her circumstances, no, 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 wow, I am really blessed because of who God is in my life, not because of what he's doing around my circumstances. I, I think I, I tend to look at somebody's jobs or their, their relationships or their finances or their physical possessions but, but God doesn't use the same metric, and, and I don't think Mary uses the same metric either. I think, I look at Mary's life, and she's going through a terrible time, and still views that God was doing amazing things. Uh, here's what she said. Look at verse 47. <clears throat> verse 47, she says, God, my Savior. Verse 48, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. V- verse 49, for the mighty one has done great things for me. <clears throat> Mary's talking about how great God is in her life. She, I don't hear her saying, woe is me. She's not rejoicing in what God has given her, this challenge. She's rejoicing in who he is in her and how he's choosing to use her. And that perspective is weird to me. Because I tend, and I think you do too, I think we tend to gauge God's blessing on what we see him doing, not on who he is in us. So that somebody in a, in a mud hut without any furniture sitting on the floor could say, God is so good in my life. And he has blessed me with so much. I was in the Philippines um, I was in college, went to the Philippines, and got a chance to sit in a church on the ground with no pews, with a bunch of followers of Jesus who fed me an amazing meal that they did not have money to feed me and talked about being so blessed by God. And I looked at them as an American college student without any money either, <laughs> but said, these people are crazy. How can they say they're so blessed? They're disconnected from reality. I know blessing. I just 
bought a car. Yeah. I'm going to buy a house. Yeah, they don't even have a... No, they had a perspective I didn't have. Because it wasn't a sum of their possessions that equaled God's blessing. It was the fact that he was working inside of them and through them in ways that I didn't understand back then nearly as much as I do now. And I look at Mary and say the same thing. Huh. <laughs> That's interesting, her perspective. God's, God's greatest blessings are not the things that he gives me, but his presence in me, Emmanuel, God with us. I think sometimes I look at the externals of my life and I, I see the struggles, I see the challenges, but I miss the fact that God is working and the fact that God does his best work in the storms of my life. I completely miss it. Because I go to the questioning. Oh yeah, well God, why are you doing this? How come you're making, if only I'm the victim. Ah. God's like, no, I'm working. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus in you and me, what does that really bring? I, I read a, a devotional the other day and it, and it said this, In Jesus we find a never-ending supply of grace for the mistakes of the past and precious promises for our present and future. In Jesus we find hope. God with us. In Jesus we find hope. Not a tangible blessing, not a not a new car, not a huge Amazon gift card. No. God with us. In Jesus we find hope. A supply of grace for the mistakes we made in the future in the past, precious promises for the future, and hope. God's presence brings incredible benefits. Because he is with us, we have nothing to fear. Because he is with us, we are never alone. Because he is with us, we have a guide to lead us. Because he is with us, no situation is impossible or hopeless. Because he is with us, his help is always available. Because he is with us, we can rest securely in his care. Because he is with us, no enemy can defeat us. Because he is with us, we can resist temptation. Because he is with us, we will always have somebody who listens to us. <clears throat> Emmanuel, God with us. God's greatest blessings are not what we see him doing <clears throat> in physical, tangible possessions or things or relationships or, or jobs or retirement or any of that. No, it's his greatest blessings are that he's in us, God with us. <clears throat> Sometimes I feel like God has forgotten us, that he's being silent. But as a follower of Jesus, I have God with me. So how did Mary find blessing in the middle of her less than perfect situation? I mean, it's... it's, it's not that, that God even took a bad situation and tried to make it better. It's that God, God created the bad situation. Like, how, how does she have that perspective? <clears throat> I 
being blessed and highly favored doesn't mean I live a life of, with no suffering, with no bad situations that ever happened to me. It, it, it doesn't mean that I never ever have to park miles from the shopping center. <laughs> there are bad things that happen even while I'm blessed. But it means I have a presence and promise of God that I cling to in those situations. I think Mary's life was terrible. I think she knew that she was in deep trouble. I think she knew that Joseph was going to leave her. I think she knew that it was a less than perfect situation. I cannot imagine being Mary and knowing I've got the Messiah in me and every conversation when somebody says, oh, you're pregnant, Joseph must be so proud, I say, ah, you know what, actually, this angel came to me, and, and he scared me in my bedroom. I was like, whoa, and he said, hey, by the way, you know, you're going to get pregnant through the, Son of, through, uh, the Holy Spirit, and, and uh, your baby's going to be the Messiah, don't worry. I would never believe that. You'd be looking at her cross-eyed saying, what? What are you smoking? Do you have more? Like, what? Can you imagine today? Like, can you imagine today somebody walking up to you and you saying, wow, congratulations, and them saying, you know, yeah, the Holy Spirit uh, impregnated me. Wouldn't you just want to walk away and roll your eyes? Right? That's weird. I'm sorry. I think I'm a man of faith, but that is weird. Yeah, she had to live with that. And even after that, can you imagine when she and Joseph were together? Oh, wow, Joseph. That's great. Hey, I heard your your wife had a baby. Yeah, she did. Wow, that's great. Hey, I did the math, and that's not your son, right? Whose kid is that? Yeah, he's the Holy Spirit's. We're not playing with them anymore, all right, kids? Come on. That's the weird neighbor. We just let him build stuff. He's a carpenter. We're going to play over here. Like, you have to live with that. And yet she says, of all the words, blessed and highly favored. Because I have Emmanuel, God with me. Some, some think that Mary was sinless, and I think it's the complete opposite. I, I think in her song, when she says, God is my Savior, she sees that she sees herself as guilty and unworthy, empty, hungry, weak, in need of mercy, in need of strength, in need of a Savior. Um, I don't think Mary thought she was amazing. I don't think Mary was immaculate or perfect. I, I think God is perfect. Here's, here's what she says in, in verse 46. She says, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I think when people idolize her, they miss the point of her song where she is magnifying the Savior. I don't think she's making a statement. I think she's setting an example for us, demonstrating what the rest of Scripture says that um, God's, God's blessings are not defined. They shouldn't be defined by my 
circumstances. Oh, no, no. You don't understand the blessing I have. And, and specifically, she could say the blessing I have in me because she's carrying Jesus, the Messiah. But you and I, as followers of Jesus, I, we can say, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can say, oh, no, no, I, I have God in me. I have the Holy Spirit in me. Emmanuel, God with us who comforts me and counsels me and leads me into all truth. I am never alone. He will never leave me or forsake me. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't need to worry. I can cast my cares on him because he cares for me. What do I have in a Savior? Emmanuel, God with us. God's greatest blessings are, are not what he does for me, but, but who he is in me. And secondly, whatever we magnify, we rejoice in. Whatever we choose to make large in our lives and focus on, that is what ultimately brings us joy. And Mary had joy that was tied to God's larger plan. You see, Mary understood what many, many, many people in that day didn't understand, that the Messiah was really coming and was coming through her. It had been 400 years of silence since God had said, hey, here's my plan. And, and I imagine many, many, many Israelites had forgotten or given up. Until Mary gets the news that, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm continuing this. And here it comes. And we know she knew because she talks about Abraham and the promises that God was continuing. And then she shows up with Elizabeth and Elizabeth says, you are blessed Three times, you are blessed. When you walked in here, the baby that was inside of me jumped. Elizabeth says, and that, that was John the Baptist in Elizabeth? A cousin of Jesus? Validated what Mary knew? That she was carrying the Messiah? Wow, crazy. So Mary magnifies that and says, I understand my circumstances. Yeah, they're, they're not great. But there's something much greater than my circumstances. I'm going to magnify God. Because God's got this plan and he's continuing this plan and it happens to include me. And I love that. I wonder how many times I miss the fact that God really wants to be working through me because I want it to be tangible and I, I want it to the circumstances to all be perfect and I get distracted by the circumstances and then I start questioning God and what are you doing? How come you're doing it this way? And, and God's saying, no, 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 no. Magnify me. I, I, I will be big. I will use you to do great things. Just keep your focus on me, not on your circumstances. This holiday season, Americans focus on pretty much everything except Jesus. We are very, very good at focusing on Olaf, on snowmen and reindeer and elves and Santa. And we're not very good at focusing on Jesus. And in our society, it is, it is taboo to focus on Jesus. <clears throat> I, uh, I've been shocked to see how, how our country has created animals or figures to take the places of God, um, that at Thanksgiving, instead of giving thanks to God, we can have a turkey 
and be excited about that turkey. And at Easter, instead of being really grateful for Jesus rising from the dead, we can focus on an Easter bunny. And at Christmas, instead of focusing on the Messiah, we focus on a reindeer. And it's amazing. And a fat man in a red suit, who happens to be God, by the way. I don't know if you realize that. Santa knows everything, can see when everybody's bad or good, and then judges everybody who is bad or good. Sounds like God. Oh, no, no, it's Santa. But, but we, we do not do a good job of focusing on Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. And I think it's because we really need to magnify him more. Because the things we make large in our lives, we end up spending time, energy, effort, and resources on. I I wrote this down. I tend to see the pain and mess in life and quickly write God out of my story. I magnify the pain and then lose the joy. What if Mary did that? What if Joseph did that? But God has a larger plan. Two questions I have for us that I want to leave us with today. One is, what, what has to be true in your life in order for you to have joy? When you look into the future, what has to be there in order for you to rejoice. Marriage, kids, job, retirement. Like, what would you say, if I'm going to be a happy man in 20 years, these things have to be there. If I'm going to be a happy woman in in 20 years, I have to have a spouse. I have to have a retirement plan. I have to have this many friends. I have to have a job. I have to... What has to be true in your life in order to have joy? What set of circumstances? If, if those things are not there, you, you, could you still rejoice? I heard somebody say one time, joy should function like a smoke alarm in our lives. If we don't have joy right now, it is likely that the source of our joy has moved from God to some lesser blessing. i got to confess being an honest man, I have no idea what that smoke alarm illustration was. So I'm just going to move right along. Second question I have for you today is, do you rejoice more about what, about the what in your life or the who? Do you rejoice? Do I rejoice more about the what in my life or the who? Many of us live in, many of you live in circumstances that are, that are awful. And from the outside, people would, would look into your life and say, oh man, that's just an awful situation. And, and in reality, there is awfulness in our world. Mary chose to magnify God and live in joy in the midst of her awfulness. 
And it really has a lot to do with who we focus on. And I just wonder, do, do you rejoice more about the what in your life or the who? I think about my own life and I think, wow, my joy seems to rise and fall on things sometimes, on circumstances, even conversations and people. My joy should be tethered to God. Emmanuel, God with us. That's what my joy should be tethered to. Not people who change, not circumstances who change, not situations who change and mess. Like, am I tethered to God for the source of my joy? What do you rejoice in? Can you rejoice in Emmanuel, God with us, this week? Emmanuel, God with us. Here's my challenge. This week, looking at our lives, will our joy rise and fall on the blessings that we see in our lives? And we're like, okay, God's worthy of joy. Yeah, because look at all the stuff I... Or will our joy rise and fall on the fact that we have Emmanuel, God with us? Somehow Mary did that. I don't think it's normal, but I'm really glad she gave an example of how to focus on God in the midst of circumstances that weren't great. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Mary's story. I thank you for how her perspective was so much focused on you and and the blessings you were bringing and not on her current circumstances. Father, that's, it's hard for me to focus on you when there's junk going on. And, and I pray that, that this week our joy would not be contingent on the things we see you doing or what you're giving us, but that our joy would be just all about the fact that you are with us and Jesus loves us and he died for us and he wants to be our savior and he wants to give us hope. Help us focus on that. And I pray, God, that Christmas this year would be a time when we are focused completely on Jesus. God, just get the distractions away. Um, help us to focus on, on you coming back to what's most important. In Jesus' name, amen.